Hello and welcome to this episode of BPM Pod, the podcast where we get behind people's music. I am your host, Ashley Scrace Vendel, coming to you from Berlin. Thank you very much for taking the time to come along today. If you are a new listener, an extra special welcome to you. And well, well done on finding this out. And thanks for giving the podcast a chance. A quick introduction if you are a new listener. On this podcast, we talk to the unsigned talents from around the world um, about their musical journeys, their inspiration, their aspirations, and where you can hear them playing next or where you can find them online so we're going to get into the story of another singer songwriter and this week actually a music journalist too and that is lauren piper and we will be talking to her in just a few minutes time if you're a returning listener well you know the kind of fun we get up to here so thank you very much for coming back and your support is absolutely appreciated and yeah hope you're doing well also stay lucky and all that But before we jump into Lauren Piper, I want to talk about song battles, and we'll be talking about them in a minute. I've been speaking with some musicians from around Berlin who have been on the previous episodes of BPM Pod for their thoughts on song battles, so stay tuned for that. But before then, a little bit of promo, a little bit of advertising, and it's the first time that this has happened on BPM Pod, so I will keep it very short because it's something I've not been paid to do. It's not something that I was asked to do. It's just something I think I need to share. So if you don't want to listen to this, just skip skip ahead about a minute or so, and you don't have to hear all of this blabbering about a really good brand. So this podcast is normally recorded in my own home with Rode NTA1 microphones. I totally recommend them. They're relatively cheap, um, and their sound quality is fantastic, and especially if you can set up a good space I totally recommend them. Uh, They run into my computer through uh, Focusrite um, into the door itself. But a much easier way to record podcasts, if you're interested, or just to record demos, is with a USB mic. Now, the best one out there, I think, is the Blue Yeti Studio Pro, which is what I have used to record podcasts on before, and I really, really love. It looks cool, it works as an analog mic too, and it's just plug-and-play through USB and the sound quality is fantastic. Now, mine worked for a little while, and then it didn't. I don't really know why. I don't know what was wrong with it. I didn't mistreat it, but it's suddenly... Like that. So don't worry, that was me speaking through my hand. You don't need to adjust your headsets. Um, And that's what it sounded like constantly. It was completely unusable. So I reached out to Blue, and they're based in the US, and I reached out to them and said, look, what can you do about it? And their response was to send me a brand new microphone. Now, my old microphone wasn't even in warranty anymore. They just sent me this one. The one I'm talking to you on right now, which I think you'll appreciate, has some pretty excellent sound quality. Um, Some big, big thanks to Blue. Their customer service was brilliant. They were clear from the start. They didn't pry too much into even what was wrong with the microphone. I was very honest with them, provided them the receipt and purchase date and all of this stuff. But their communication was absolutely fantastic. And within about four days of it being resolved, a microphone had come from the US to Germany, which is the quickest shipping I've ever known and fantastic customer service. So a very quick 
shout out and they've not asked me to do this at all like i just want that known and i would never really do that i really wanted to commit to this podcast not having ads in them so um for payment and things and they've not done anything for me to mention this but really well done to the blue team and the blue yeti studio pro is what i'm using right now there are cheaper ones available this is the kind of top of the range one but i can totally recommend it and their customer service alone is reason enough to recommend them. So do check out Blue for any of your sort of plug-and-play microphone needs. But now into the main meat of the episode. First off, we're going to do a little bit of a vox pop. Vox pops normally is a news term where people go around and ask the general public what they think about stuff. They're the kind of things that are easy news. And so this easy news journalist has done just that. Song battles or song slams, they've become very popular, especially in light of The Voice, uh, X Factor, Idol or American Idol if you're over there, whatever you want to call them. These sort of reality kind of competition-based song contests have become very popular, and now they're even replicated on an amateur scale. In song battles, song slams, they're sometimes called song jams or similar names like that. So singer-songwriters normally go up in rounds, they'll play songs against each other, the public at the end of each round votes for which song they prefer. Now, to me, this goes against everything music should be about. It should be a collaborative effort where everybody has fun, and sure, you should be able to criticise and say, you know, one song is better than another, but it kind of becomes like a popularity contest. But then I thought, well, is it just me who thinks that? Because I only thought this after playing at one myself the other week, helping uh, the artist Tara C. Taylor out with a song there. So then I thought, well, then why don't I just ask people? So I got in touch with previous guests on BPM Pod to ask about their thoughts for song slams or song battles. What do they think? How do they feel? How have they felt um, these have benefited them? Have they benefited them? And we kick it off with the friend of the show and whose music you can hear underneath this segment, Moves Johnson. I think when rap battles were a thing and uh, people were actively improvising and you had to come up with a battle rhyme on the spot, uh, that made a lot more sense. And it showed improvisation, it showed creativity, it showed your ability to work under pressure. I think if you're going to put two musicians on the stage and just have them basically alienate one another from the audience, just have the audience go, no, that song's better, no, that song's better. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, nobody's moving forward with this. Nobody's succeeding or furthering their career. You're just sort of pushing someone else down. Um, it's one thing if Neil Young turns around and goes, I don't like Alabama. And then Leonard Skinner goes, well, Alabama doesn't like you. That's different. That's expressing emotions between songs. And, and like, you've written a song, and so I've written a retaliatory song. But now if you're just going to have me play something that I poured my heart and soul into, and then you're going to play something you poured your heart and soul into, and we're just going to get people to objectively decide whose heart and soul is more validated, that doesn't make sense to me. That's not the point of art or community. You're right back to 1978. Singer-songwriter Lisa Akua has had a more positive experience with song slams, but she questions the value of them overall. I have participated both in a competition and in a song slam. Both went very well for me. The competition, I came second. Um, I still have to participate in the finals, but I won the first round. 
It was fun, but that's about it. Because we musicians, we don't really get much out of it. You have to bring a crowd in order to win. My luck was for the Song Slam that all the other participants were very, very bad. Which is not supposed to sound arrogant in any way. They were just very bad. So I won, even their friends cast their vote for me. But if they had been good, I would have never won because I didn't bring a big crowd. So... Um, It doesn't really give an indicator of how good a musician is. And also, I think often the people hosting those competitions or song slams see it as a way of getting a great gig by musicians and not have to pay for it. I did it for the fun. I didn't expect to get anything out of it. For blues professional Eodora Johnson, music battles can be a great place to learn your skills. But this does not always result in a positive musical environment. Music battles. Uh, music battles to me uh, can be a really good experience, a positive experience. Especially when I see someone who is playing very well and motivates me, inspires me to play better, to improve, to practice. Um, it can be also that uh, music battles, they have a very positive environment with musicians really to help each other despite the competition and give you advice and feedback. Um, on the other side, I experienced also music battles where the musicians, they were not willing to help you at all. And yeah, this can be discouraging and it can be sad because of course, first of all, you have to respect the music and so... Um, Not everybody has, is playing at the same level. There is always something to learn. And uh, yeah, to me, as I said, uh, the more positive environment you have in, in a music battle, the better it is. Also the outcome, the result of it. So yeah, that's what I think. And the final word for now goes to Tara C. Taylor, who I assisted at a song battle hosted by the Asphalt Collective in Berlin a little while back, which I mentioned at the start of this episode. The standard of musicians were excellent, by the way, and the hosts too, and we really, really had a great time. Uh, Tara had a fantastic time despite not winning, and thinks that the singer-songwriter competitions actually have benefits, providing the setup is more focused on enjoyment than spiteful competition. One thing about singer-songwriter competitions I like is that it exposes you to new audiences. People who would go cheer on their friend who, who, you know, who your competitor is and may not see you at one of your own shows. So I think these songwriter competitions are good just to expose you to new audiences. On the notion that music shouldn't be competitive, well, I say in a marketplace Music is competitive. Everybody's racing to be at the top. I also think singer-songwriter competitions also help you develop a thicker skin, and which is something you need in this industry. You need to be confident. You need to be confident around strangers. You got to put on your A game. Personally, if it's a good if it's a good round of people that are hosting the singer-songwriter competition and they're encouraging and they make it a fun atmosphere, I say, hey, go for it. So what do you think? Song battles, are they good or are they bad? And if you've been to watch one, what do you think as an audience member too? Thanks to all the musicians who took part also. That's Moves Johnson, Lisa Akua, Eodora Johnson and Tara C. Taylor. But now... 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. You're in for a real treat of an interview this week. She's been a music journalist and journeyed all the way from D.C. to New York, now to Berlin, to continue her musical career with the band Vowels, that is spelled A-E-I-O-U. On this episode, we talk about the big journey overseas, plucking up the courage to focus on music, and what it is actually like to work inside the music industry. Here's Lauren Piper from the band Vowels. Thank you for coming along. Uh, we're in this little room. It's, it's kind of hard to describe. It's, so it used to be a storage room, right? It's Where supposed we to now? be a storage room, yeah. It's like a triangular wedge of cheese, kind of. And the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's like a saw on the wall and a Fender Telecaster. It's kind of a bizarre mm-hmm. juxtaposition. Uh, tell us how you sort of came here, because you're originally from New York, and now you're in Berlin, obviously. Yes. What's your sort of journey here? Um... Well, I was in New York for 10 years, originally from D.C., but now I feel like I would say New York is where I'm from. Um, And about four years ago, my now husband and I were traveling around doing like a Euro travel thing. Mm -hmm. And we had just spent like five or six days in Spain. And then we went to Prague and then to Berlin and we only had two days in Berlin and we were just so mad that we'd spent so much time in Spain yeah <laughs> like what, yeah. what were we thinking although Spain is good as well but yeah yeah it's not maybe Prague should have been the one to miss actually yeah we this, only but. had like a day and a half in Prague but um yeah we wish we'd spent more time here and because I'm a teacher in the states you get like the summer off so Mm. we were like well why don't we spend a month in berlin Mm. and see like if maybe we want to live there so the following summer we spent a month here after i did like a month on tour with a band and then Mm. i came Mm. here uh to kind of see like what it would be like to live here and um we loved it i met with some schools to see if it would be possible with my degree to teach here and we also just loved the art and the music scene like in New York, it just feels really like there's always kind of like a hierarchy and you're always trying to like push to get above somebody. Mm. And I have a career. Mm. And so the music is really like what I do as a passion for fun. And it was harder to pursue there because they require more like effort to put yeah, into it, sort of. Yeah. Um, and here it felt like you could play or do whatever art music and there is a scene somewhere to support you and you can like figure it out from there Mm -hmm. let's jump into that now because i do actually plan these things as unplanned (laughs) as they sound um that was actually like next to last question do you miss the new york music scene at all because it's always sort of talked about like it's some amazing sort of valhalla of sort of music there or austin i mean I definitely love the music scene I was a part of, and I don't think that can be replaced because it was also made up of, like, a lot of really good friends. But I don't know if I was part of the music scene that people talk about when they talk about New York. It was more sort of this, like, kind of underground, like, 
people there's some bands that have definitely been like playing bigger shows and going on huger tours but it was more kind of this like medium ground of people who helped each other out with shows and could like have a pretty good community but I and I'm still like searching for that a little bit here Mm -hmm. so I do miss it but I don't I feel like I've actually played more this past year Mm -hmm. in Berlin than I ever did solo in New York when you play you're playing guitar with a lot of pedals and singing right that's your Mm -hmm. main track but that's not actually always what you've done you've been a drummer right before (laughs) so tell us a little bit about your musical journey as well okay um well i used to write about music okay that was the original thing because i didn't really think that i was a musician and i love music it's a huge passion of mine and i was like i want to write about it and make people understand how it makes me feel and maybe this music can help them feel that too Hmm. but um then when I moved to New York and I started, I kind of played, like I played on my own. I played some open mics, um, but mostly just like me and an acoustic guitar. And once I moved to New York and started teaching, I had like a lot more time because you finished at 4.30 and you just feel like you have a day ahead of you. And somehow I ended up in four bands. Okay. Because I was like, I need to like, no one's going to hear my music. If I don't, like, play with people. So I need to start playing with people. And I had, like, gone on Craigslist and, like, played with a couple people. Nothing, like, worked out. I did have a band called Coyotes very briefly that was with a drummer that I'd met off of Craigslist. Um, But then he got busy. So (laughs) at one point I ended up in four bands. And then I just kind of kept playing and... I was a drummer because I have been playing drums, but mm. only on my own okay. for years. I'd like got a drum kit. I asked my parents so many times and then they gave me like the trapezoidal like Yamaha mm. Mm. <laughs> electronic mm. drum mm. kit. And I was like, I can't use this. No. Um, not as a new drummer. Um, but over the years and in college, I took lessons and I learned how to play drums. And then that was another big incentive to play with people. Cause I was like, I'm not going to be able to play drums if I don't try to play in a band. Mm-hmm. And so then I was in two bands as a drummer and then I had one band as a guitarist and then I joined another band as a drummer singer. <laughs> so, cause you said when I first came around here and we were talking about your husband actually, and I joked that you should do a husband-wife duo and that sort of filled you with dread and that you shouldn't do that but and then you said something but he's trained and I'm not but you're selling yourself a little short because you do have some training I have drum training I could play like when he plays solo I hear drums and we've talked about like maybe me playing drums on some of his songs but I like guitar to guitar or other instrument to (laughs) non-drum instrument I feel um, it wouldn't work so well. Okay, okay. So tell us about the guitar, though. So you taught yourself playing guitar. Well, my dad taught me three chords. Okay. That's, I mean, that gets a lot of people a lot of success. Yeah. he so taught that's... me the main chords, um, and then he gave me his songbook of Peter, Paul, and Mary on guitar. Um, I literally only learned leaving on a jet plane because I'm terrible at <laughs> That's a good song, though, so... <laughs> You kind of, I think that's good. That's a good one. 
Um, but basically, he taught me those, and I was like trying to do tabs, and then I was like, I hate memorizing songs. <laughs> I'm just going to write my own. And that was how that started. And what did the sort of themes of your songs sort of, well, what were they about at the time when you then started writing your stuff? I mean, I was a teenager, teenager so they this were all This is why I love asking terrible. this question. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure they were about like boys and relationships or dream relationships or just like sad people that I knew. I love asking people <laughs> that question because everyone gets immediately embarrassed, yeah. like straight away. Because you're just like, oh, yeah, I wrote this song and it's so self-absorbed and... I found a couple I've written when I was 13, 14, and it's just so self-absorbed. It's like like a montage from the OC. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm standing at a lake, throwing rocks. Oh, my God, life is terrible. <laughs> and you're like, come on, man. Like, Yeah, I wish I could find them, actually, because I don't remember. I remember, like, one pretty clearly, like, the first one I ever wrote, but the rest, up until college, I don't really remember what I wrote about. <laughs> get into your songwriting stride then when did you start formulating more adult themes if you want to put it that way and think yeah this is cool um I guess in college um I was living with roommates and I'd gotten my dad's guitar and so I started trying to play stuff and then I actually had this I went to Emerson College in Boston Mm -hmm. which I don't know if it's still this cool but it was pretty cool at the time and one of the like elective courses you could take was called poetry and song okay and so there was like a poet like a poetry teacher and a music teacher and they worked together to kind of like challenge the students to think about the poetic aspect of songwriting and then the songwriting aspect that could go into poetry Mm. Mm. um and i think it was sort of through that because they would give you these kind of like prompts or exercises and it made me basically songwrite like once a week or something Mm. and then i was like i like this i'm gonna keep doing it was it hard to get the confidence to play because i always find in a band you can kind of hide your insecurities a little bit because you're relying on other people but then when you go solo that's really difficult actually to be that vulnerable yeah it's terrifying i still like i think i don't look like i'm not confident when i play but like about 10 minutes before i get on stage and then till the minute i start i'm like absolutely terrified Mm. and then based on how it goes at the end i either like feel all right but i'm still shaking or i like just want to hide in a bag and cry Mm. Mm. (laughs) because you've got quite a lo-fi peculiar sound right and a lot of it's done through pedals which are in a cake tin like underneath you right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's a good use of a cake tin to be honest Um, but all it is is guitar pedals and vocals right and then i guess Mm any did you do overdubs as well of drums and things Um, i haven't really um but i also a lot of the new stuff that i've been playing live i haven't recorded unless it was recorded formerly when vowels was a two-piece and that was kind of before the pedals came into play Mm -hmm. um so i haven't done overdubs but uh sometimes i'll play with other people and call them sometimes wise Mm. because vowels (laughs) i like it that's a good one 
Um, because when you sent me your description, you said that you play guitar and sing, and then sometimes you play anything that's around, like a saw. Well, I can't play that saw. That's and there Cody's. is a saw on the wall. <laughs> you taught me so, once, and I'm really bad at it. I don't even know how you play the saw, to be perfectly honest. You don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to demonstrate. it a lot, but. and you use the bow, which I think he's been using for this crappy violin he bought. <laughs> which I also can't play. I mean, I can, but it sounds really bad. I would love to be able to play the violin. I really would. So how do you create your sound? There's a lot of pedals, I guess. What are you mainly using? Like reverbs, loopers? Yeah, I have a reverb pedal um, and a distortion pedal. And sometimes I haven't added it yet because I get really flustered by it, but I have a delay pedal and okay. I just haven't used it yet here. Um and then I have this like double looper pedal where I've like looped, I can loop vocals and guitar stuff at the same time. Oh, that's um, and then I recently got this vocal pedal that's basically just like a octave pedal. It has a lot of other facets that I haven't explored yet, but mostly I can like sing and then have it be like a third and a fifth above or mm. below or mm. like just a third above and doubled and things like that. Mm. So that's kind of what my general setup has been. What inspires your sound? Literally anything or nothing. I mean, definitely like there's music that I've listened to that I like and definitely influences my sound, but I I don't know. Just like I think that on our Facebook page when we first wrote about vowels it said like inspired by like tacos um magic things like that mm. so. <laughs> fair enough really serious stuff yeah <laughs> but who do you listen to then so like you say there you listen to people and that's probably influenced you in some ways so who are your favorite artists you know this is like the hardest question <laughs> no it's not that hard um i, I mean, mean it I, changes right of course yeah but. it changes i would say like standards who i always will stand by are like Sonic Youth, mm. the Pixies, and the Drifters. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and then there was like high school where it was like less than Jake. Less than Jake. <laughs> I not thought about them for a long time. Yeah. Um, recently, I've been getting back into Sharon Van Etten. Yeah. Um, she came around a couple months ago and we went and saw her. And then... Um, I never really listened to Bright Eyes because I felt like he sounded like a goat, but he has a new project. <laughs> um, he really does, actually. That's true. <laughs> he like, doesn't sound like a goat anymore. He's but, like too old to bleat, I think. But um, <laughs> it's called Better Oblivion Community Center. That's also a great album title, Too Old to Bleat. It's a really, really good album title. It's like, for bright eyes that's a great one <laughs> Too old to Sharon Van Etten I haven't listened to for a long time and I really should again her new album is great it's like she got into synths apparently she and um crap what's his name the guy who plays um the son in Arrested Development no, yeah so actually. so that guy yeah. um the guy who, who knew that song. he's a he's a musician okay. actually if you look him up it's a pretty good like he plays some weird good music michael Sarah. michael Sarah, yeah. yes of course um i was gonna say i can picture his face this kind of goofy like yeah face but i couldn't see who it was but apparently like they somehow ended up sharing a practice space and he had a whole bunch of synths and so she just started using his synths and like wrote this whole album that is like very synth heavy and like pretty cool. 
Yeah, I don't listen to that much new music because I wrote about it for so long that I'm kind of an asshole about new music. Okay, <laughs> how do you mean? Like, what music did you write about? Let's dig into that a bit. Were you, as a journalist, sort of reviewing stuff or just sort of yeah. opinion stuff? How did it work? Well, it depended on who I was working for. So, like, in New York, I wrote for a magazine where you couldn't really say anything bad. So uh, even if you had an opinion, you couldn't really write about it. You could just, like, make it a very blah review with a couple nice things. Okay. But you couldn't say, like, this made me want to tear my ears off. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, I mean, I wrote about... I think I reviewed a TV on the radio record. I would review some, like, crazy hip-hop or, like, metal. Um, I remember reviewing the no, the no Twist and themselves did a combo band called 13 and God. Okay. And that was really cool. I wrote about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I'd go to shows. I, like, interned for the College Music Journal, like so CMJ in New York, yeah. and they had this big festival, and I had to run around to all their shows and write about all the shows that I was going to. Mm. So sometimes it was awesome. I got to see Spoon. Mm. I saw the Walkmen. <laughs> but then there were other bands that I had to write about for other magazines that were just like... <laughs> Not fun. Yeah. And yeah. I interned in ma in a music magazine in India. Okay. And wow. I thought I was going to get to write about, like, Indian music. As you would, yeah. Right. And instead they were like, you're on the Western beat. And so I had to write about all of the music from America and England. And so I had to, like, interview Lily Allen when she'd just gotten big. Wow, cool. Um, and some guy from... Ireland, who is, I think, well-known, but I can't remember his name. Um, and um, then I got to write about Honky Tonk Badonka Donk. What the hell? What? <laughs> I don't remember the name of the artist. Honky Tonk Badonka Donk. <laughs> it was like a country song, but it was literally an album with like 10 different versions of this song and then maybe a couple other originals. Oh and God, no. so bad. And this is the music I wrote about Dixie Chicks. I had to write Dixie about Chicks, um, an LL Cool J album. So, like, they were bigger artists, but I hated them. So, like... Does it turn you into a music snob a little bit? Yeah. Because you, you realize what you never want to write about. And then you go to shows because then you're on all these PR lists and all these bands are writing you. And you're like really, really specific and very careful about who you respond to and what you want to write about. Because otherwise you're just going to be surrounded by shit. Yeah, yeah. Seeing legends play nowadays is kind of sad, right? Like, yeah, I actually can't really think of anyone that I would pay enough money to see because mm. I feel like they're all Springsteen so expensive. I would, actually, but I would maybe. I thought about Fleetwood Mac for like a second because I know they're coming 
It's 120 and, euros a ticket. Yeah. And I was like, I love them, but I also can't pay that much money. And it's not even Fleetwood Mac. Like, two of the members yeah, have left. So exactly. it's just like, what? This is... Yeah. And, like, I know the Pixies are coming around, but I saw them when they originally reunited, and now they don't have Kim Deal in the band. So, like, I have no interest. Mm, mm. No, I really wanted to go and see Neil Young, actually, uh, recently. Yeah. Because I really like him, but I've seen him, like, five times before now. And... I don't know. I was just like, he's tipped over the 70 barrier. I haven't liked any of his music for the last <laughs> six years, seven years at least, since he's been going around with his band. So I was just like, it's not worth the 110 euro ticket, like in any capacity. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of money. So mm-hmm. I think if he were still alive, I would have paid to see Prince. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that would have been He amazing. might be the only one. Yeah. And David Bowie. Actually, it was going to be one of my questions, but you've just answered it there. Who would you pay to see live if they were still alive? But Queen would be my list. Like, mm. proper yeah. lineup of Queen would have been amazing. That's pretty good. But what are your musical ambitions, though? To top these festivals and things? Or? <laughs> yeah, I just want to play all the festivals. Um, no, I think I just want to play regularly. Ideally make friends who maybe want to play music together, maybe get some sometimes wise to like collaborate on vowels stuff. And then it would be really cool to at some point get to do some sort of mini tours of Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only for myself, but also because when my friends from the States come, I want to be able to help get shows and maybe go play shows with them in other places. Yeah. So vowels, is your project it's best to call it a project right or is it yeah. a band I don't know really I guess if it's one it? person it's a project I would say it's a project <laughs> okay. so you're always open to people to collaborate on it with you or yeah I mean, as long as they're good obviously like they sort of turn up and <laughs> right. hit the table but yeah but uh, if like I meet someone who we both like each other's musical tastes like then we can either write together and those can be vowels or maybe it turns into something completely different or like maybe we work on vowel songs and they just add whatever they're good at to that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Okay. Before we go. They, you can be, they don't have to be quick. <laughs> I'm just saying they're quick fire because sometimes it's one word answers, but they don't have to be quick. You talk okay. as long as you like. There's sure. no limit. Favorite song you wish you'd written? Maybe is- Gigantic. Gigantic by, by the Pixies. Pixies, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that song just is like pretty awesome in most ways. Who would you have open him for you? Mira? Mira? Who is Mira? I don't know <laughs> who that is. I don't even know if she's playing music anymore, but um she was part of like the K Records kind of Olympia Washington scene with um the microphones. She used to be in the microphone. Wow! No, never heard of this person. This is interesting. Um, and I've like loved her music forever. And every once in a while, someone tells me that I sound like Mira, and I'm like, oh, I wish. Thanks. Cool. No, that's good. Then we'll check it out and listen to it. Um, your favorite bit of gear or gear you couldn't live without? Does gear include your guitar? Yeah. Oh yeah, includes anything. Think my guitar, Any item. I mean, I love my guitar. Uh, this one it's a strange looking thing i can't lie <laughs> it's called a, a devlin imposter never heard of it yeah neither had i um but i got it at this store in maryland that like is used and new instruments and they're just really good at giving good like 
good prices and I walked in there with my dad it was the first electric guitar I was buying and they were like okay what music do you like and based on that and what you're wearing these are the guitars that we think you might want oh my god wow <laughs> and so then wow. I couldn't decide and my dad like left and went to a blues bar for like an hour yeah. because I was just like stop standing here and making me make a choice yeah. and then I like sat around with these guitars and like talked to the people at the shop and finally I was like please just help me and they were like I think this one and mm. I agree <laughs> and then last one is your shameless self plug <laughs> opportunity where can people find out more about you because you don't have a huge amount online right no now. or out <laughs> there it doesn't have to be online there is <laughs> offline too True. but you don't have a huge amount out there yet no right? um, I would say Facebook, uh, the AEIOU Vowels Facebook page has like videos from my most recent shows and stuff, um, and the most recent music that I've played. Bandcamp, hopefully soon. Once we get our setup here, I will put more music on there. Yeah, because there's a song <laughs> on there, right? Already. Well, but so there's the, more. It's just more? like so when you when you go on it for some reason it goes to my cover of Amira song. Uh-huh. Okay. Um right. but the on the side there's like a little kind of EP with songs that I did with um when we were a two piece mm. with my friend Kristen and then there's a couple kind of like solo numbers on there. Mm. Mm. Uh but yeah, there's probably no more than like eight songs on okay. there. <laughs> So people have to search for A-E-I-O-U or vowels or both if you want to be properly... I would say A-E-I-O-U and then maybe vowels in parentheses. That's just to make sure. Yeah. But Facebook Bandcamp is where you're around and then you play relatively regularly for someone who says they don't play regularly. (laughs) Well, I haven't... I don't have any new shows coming up so far. I might have something in September. Um... But yeah, I've played like four times in the last year or so. But I mean, you've just had a lot on your mind as well, right? Yeah, you've just got married. So. Yeah. I, I mean, we're now recording this in May and you just got married. So mm-hmm. congratulations. Thank you. And I guess that probably took a lot of it out of you as well. So Yeah, and it's not over because we have the wedding in July, which is like the real wedding in a way, yeah. because then we have all the family and the people and the food and stuff, whereas this was just like an Airbnb and... A town hall and yeah, a barbecue fun, right? place you yeah. had a good time though yeah it was great and it was this weekend just gone which i mean means nothing to people at the time recording but the weather was beautiful it was we got really lucky we thought it was gonna be kind of gray and cold and we wanted to walk everywhere mm. but we ended up getting to like sit by the water in christiania for like hours nice nice Thank you very much for coming along. Um, you, we're not going to hear you play something now live because you admitted you need to practice something. <laughs> so we're going to stick a song on the end instead. Okay. In Perfect. full. Um, and we'll decide what that is later on. But okay. uh, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>
Your life.